Welcome to Sunset Flip Radio, a podcast by the art and sport profession of wrestling. I'm your host, Thomas Lisi. Special episode, because I have a guest on the show, sitting six feet away from me, <laughs> due to this pandemic going on, is my great friend, Alex Drain. Alex, welcome to the show. Hey, Tom. What's going on, guys? I'm glad, uh, glad to be here with you today. All right, so I brought Alex on because... The topic of the show today is about Macho Man Randy Savage, and I don't know more, I don't know that there is a bigger fan out there of Macho Man than Alex, so Alex, tell me a little bit about what you like about Macho Man and how you started to admire him as a uh, wrestling fan. Uh, What I like most is uh, charisma. Okay. He has everything that I wish I could be in my own personal life. Oh, me too. Me too. Now, for me, it was um, Hogan when I was a kid. Hogan was number one. I liked Warrior, but even though Macho Man was a bad guy growing up for me, I really right. enjoyed him. For me, it was, you know, it was his deep and raspy voice that was different. Uh, his flamboyant ring attire was something that was over the top with all the bedazzled outfits and the sunglasses. I mean, he had a smoke show of a wife, Miss yes. Elizabeth. Yes. And uh, his catchphrase. I mean, ooh, yeah, is like one of the biggest catchphrases, I think, and at the time, and definitely the number one next to, you know, say your prayers, eat your vitamins uh, from Hulk Hogan. So we're going to talk about uh, not just Macho Man's career, but what made him special, his trials and tribulations with Miss Elizabeth, um, what happened, some uh, underground stories of what happened to him in the WWF at the time. So... Uh, let's just talk about him in general. He had a 32-year career. Not many people know about that. Um, he actually, he first started playing baseball. Correct. Did you know that? Yeah. Yes. He was, um, he was a minor league player for the Reds and the Cardinals for about 12 years. But he had a shoulder injury. So he stopped uh, playing baseball, and he decided to get into the wrestling business. And he caught McMahon's eye in 1985. Uh, he signed with Vince McMahon, and his draw was billed as one of the top free agents in pro wrestling at the time. And it was something different when he debuted. He really he had a couple matches, but his big thing was trying to find a manager. So they wanted to put him with uh, Missy Hyatt at the time. Yeah, and he's his wife Elizabeth. You know they brought her in because he uh, Macho Man thought it would be a great idea. Uh, to bring her in, and they were auditioning girls at the time, and uh, the rest is history. Well, yeah, I mean, if you look at the time with the managers, you had Jimmy Hart, right? You had Bobby the Brain Heenan, and, and Jimmy Hart had a uh, had a hand in bringing Macho Man up, working with him down uh, down in Memphis, uh, and seeing him down in Florida uh, wrestle uh, with his father. Well, yeah, and and you had you had a manager like Classy Freddie Blassie who. Started off with Hulk Hogan in the early 80s yes. when Hogan was a bad guy. Yes. So Hogan was a bad guy. He the wrestled longer on... Longer hair at the time. Yeah, <laughs> lot, and he wasn't bald. But Hogan had a lot of matches with uh, Andre the Giant that many people don't know about. Wrestled Shea Stadium. But Blassie was his manager. So on paper, you would think that Blassie would be the number one guy. But in a total 180, you know, uh, Miss Elizabeth gets, gets debuted and she is just... Out of bounds, yes, ridiculous. Yes. 
when she when she they open up these double doors and she comes in and just just sparkling, just outfit sparkling, huge smile, diamonds everywhere. It was something always looked the part and never had to say a word. Yeah, it was something at the time that we never saw. No. You never saw a female manager. Absolutely not. No. No. You, there was yes, there was a female champion, the fabulous Moolah, but she never got the time or the attention right. that Macho Man's gonna get. So after several manager tryouts, he chose Miss Elizabeth Miss Elizabeth as the new manager. Not many people knew that they were married, right? Right. So Coming up, what's his gimmick? His gimmick, he's he's crazed. He's he's a nut, right? Ego, pretty big. You know, he was a bully. He mistreated Miss Elizabeth a little bit. He was very aggressive with other wrestlers who looked at her the wrong way. So he was very overprotective. But his first big break is when he won the Intercontinental title in 87. He Tito beat Tito's Yeah, against Tito Santana. Great match, by the way. Yes, it was a great match. Check he that out. he won unfairly, I guess. Oh, you could uh, say. Of course, yes, yeah. yeah. But a little outside help. Yeah. Well, yeah, but he first made his WWF pay per view debut WrestleMania two against George the Animal Steel, which were just two complete opposites uh, of the spectrum. Because George was kind of on his way out, and here comes Macho Man coming up. Because you know. At WrestleMania three, you would see them, you know, George Animal Steel on the outside of the ring, you know, helping. And, and you know. oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get yeah. to that. That that's that's gonna be a lot of time talking about that. <laughs> right, but, not? right. Yeah, but I mean, if you watch that match at WrestleMania two, you can easily tell that Macho Man carried the match because George Animal Steel was more of a of attraction, I would say, rather than a, a wrestler. Correct. Anybody that bites the turnbuckles and comes to the <laughs> comes to the ring looking like a sweater with a green tongue is more of an attraction than a wrestler, in my opinion. So, after that easy title defense, it's WrestleMania three, right? So everyone knows about the WrestleMania three match, Intercontinental title, and the lead up to that match. It was about three months. Uh, you know, he he famously took the ring bell, mm-hmm. and uh, you know. Off the top rope, right in the throat with it. Great sell. Yes. A great sell right. of a throat injury by Steamboat. And Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, in his wrestling career, he's a guy that can go. Yes. I mean, go. If you if you ever watch his matches with... A, te- a technician, as Yes. Said, if right. you ever watch his matches with, with Ric Flair, those, those two guys would go for an hour. And the bell would ring, and just because of time limit. But those two guys would go for an hour. And when I mean they go, they go as far as... Not a lot of rest holds, constantly moving, selling to the crowd. Calling it in the ring. Yeah, calling it in the ring. Now, the thing that, that Ricky the Dragon did and Macho Man did was something that was kind of out of the box at the time was they actually laid out the entire match and they rehearsed it. at Well, they didn't rehearse it in the ring, but Macho Man was living in Florida at the time and Ricky the Dragon would go down and they would sit outside his pool and they would talk about the match, exactly spots, exactly um, how they're going to go over with the crowd. And, and the whole and match was written down, like, spot for spot. There are at least over 80 spots. Well, yeah. And, in, you know, wrestling at the time, matches weren't laid out like that. A lot of it was called in the ring. Right. Like, if you... I was watching the Andre the Giant documentary, okay, and um, oh, Hogan... Man. 
Hogan is talking about the iconic WrestleMania 3 match, and the entire time, Hogan wrote down on a piece of paper what he wanted the match to be, and he gave it to Andre two hours before the match happened. And Andre crumpled it up and threw it away. So not knowingly that Andre actually, when he, Hogan was at the dressing room, picked it up and read it, and he actually called the match. So matches back then, they weren't really rehearsed as much as the... Steamboat and Savage match was. Now, there was 19 two counts. Did you know that? 19 two counts. And it was just choreographed so well, you know, on the fly nature. And in some people's opinion, mine, uh, yeah, I think it was probably one of the greatest WrestleMania matches of all time. Now, when we're talking about greatest WrestleMania matches... For me, it's Hogan Steamboat, WrestleMania 3. Hogan against The Rock at WrestleMania... Icon versus Icon. Oh, yeah, Icon, Icon, WrestleMania 18. Now, that match was... It was different because it was Icon versus Icon. It was the past against the present. Right. It was the whole passing of the torch. You know, when you talk about passing the torch, you talk about Rock, Hogan... Although, that was also odd at that time, too, because The Rock was starting to do the Hollywood stuff yeah. a little bit. So that was... A passing of the torch, yes, it might have been seen that way, but those guys had their other things going on. You know, one was going left in the career, one was going right, and, and wrestling was almost like, you know, put in the middle, unfortunately. So, oh, yeah. yeah. But WrestleMania matches, for me, it's it's Hogan, Rock, like I said before, yeah. Steamboat, Macho Man, Kurt Angle, Shawn Michaels, WrestleMania 21 was a phenomenal match, Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, WrestleMania 25 was a phenomenal match, and 26, uh, Shawn Michaels' last match. So for me, uh, in my opinion, I believe those are the greatest matches. What about you? In, in your wrestling career, out of all the WrestleManias, we've been to one together. We, we, have, we, <laughs> we went to the yes. last, we actually went to the last WrestleMania together that people were actually <laughs> able to see to. it um, before the coronavirus. We didn't right. sneak into the closed set at the Performance Center this year. We weren't allowed to do that, but we oh, did but go... maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah, we did go to WrestleMania 35, but let me ask you, as a as a diehard wrestling fan who lives and breeds the sport, because I do consider it a sport, what do you think, in your opinion, is... Give me your top three WrestleMania matches of all time. Well, you named two of them already. The Icon-Icon match, you know, Rock and Hogan... Um, you have what we're talking about. The the podcast namesake today is about Macho Man, so you got to go WrestleMania three. Yeah. Um, as for my other three, I mean, I don't know. Like when people, I I I've asked this question of people, and people have asked it of me, and it's still kind of hard because it's just like I'm a fan of wrestling. I love mm-hmm. it. Me too. I mean, you and I have had yeah. separate conversations, <laughs> and you just start rattling. You are like a savant. That's You're right, like Rain Man <laughs> wrestling information. Where I, I'm still, you know, I love me some wrestling, but like, you know, you take the cake there. But, you know, for the other three matches, um, nothing hits like those two on a personal level. Because whenever you talk about The Rock, I hope I'm the next guest on. Also, oh yeah, because <laughs> that yeah, I'll probably throw, thing. I'll probably throw of for course. anyone for anyone out there who's been following this podcast I've started doing uh, a lot of earlier wrestling because that's that's when I actually started watching it I started watching 1990 Royal Rumble was the first event I ever watched with my father great so event to watch yeah, it was a great event yeah 
the first three podcasts, the first one was about Ultimate Warrior during the golden era between 85 and 92. And the second one, I talked about tag teams, and this one's to talk about Macho Man. So I'm eventually going to go into the Attitude Era, that lull of a time where Hogan was gone, Macho was gone. You kind of had Bret Hart. New generation. New generation, yeah. yeah. You had Bret Hart as champion. You had Yokozuna. You had Diesel. You throw in Bob Backlund in there. You know, he was a champion, too. So I'm going to touch base on those eventually, but the first couple podcasts are going to be spent on a lot of earlier wrestling for the true diehard fans out there and just stuff that a lot of people didn't know about. So, back to that match. If I, I've seen a lot of interviews with wrestlers. Chris Jericho talks about it. Um, Eddie Guerrero talked about it. Where they watched that match so much that they would rehearse it when they were getting into the business. That's how much of a match... Like change the culture of wrestling, in my opinion. It's like a great tutorial. If you're gonna do anything right, that's the match you start with. Yeah. Like if you you got a new wrestling fan, let's say somebody just walked in today, you're telling them about it, and you got to show them the first match. You know, if that ain't the first one you tell them about, uh, I don't I don't know what you know, you're showing them. That's just as technically sound and just it's all about the pageantry. We all know that. Uh, down to the entrances, the music, and the whole nine. And that match with Steamboat, we're talking about perfection. And Macho Man was a perfectionist, and Steamboat had said that. He had never rehearsed matches or or gone over bullet points or whatever that they did, because, like you said, it was unheard of. That's the first time he did it. And uh, I'm watching a documentary about Macho Man, and... Steamboat is crying. He said, I've had about 6,000 matches. And all he said was that match. And he's, you can hear him getting choked up. And mm-hmm. that was all he said was that match. And he just lost it. That just made him. And it's just so iconic. You know, uh, aside from Andre being slammed by, you know, by Hogan, like, to me, okay, I'm good on that. I, I didn't really particularly care. Hogan I slammed get Andre before. Oh, yes, he did. Yeah, and, and a couple times. Oh, of course. But we didn't know that. Yeah, we didn't know that. It was billed as such. Yeah. And that was, you know, it's like, okay, everything's on a need-to-know basis. Mm-hmm. Remember, this is kayfabe. Yeah. You know, so... And what's funny about the Hogan-Andre match is he was billed as a guy who never lost. Correct. Ho- I mean, Andre the Giant lost a lot. He wrestled Hogan a lot. Yeah. He got slammed a lot by Hogan. But, you know, if you look at the internet, there was no internet. There, obviously, no, back then, no. you know, you couldn't look at spoilers. You couldn't look at previous matches on YouTube, you would just read about it and it would just be talk about how Andre John was an absolute beast. And it's all about le- it's like folklore. Yeah, it's folklore. Right. You now know? today it's a little watered down, not a little bit, but you know, you can find a spoiler in, in five minutes yeah. going on Google. Yeah, I mean I'm, I'm on my Facebook is it's my news feed is flooded with different wrestling platforms that talk about spoilers from nineteen ninety that that are coming out now. Right, right. So but that match truly, I think it changed Macho Man's perspective to McMahon that he that he's a main eventer. Now, if you look at the rest of the WrestleMania three card, you had Hogan Andre obviously, but what what really stood out was Steamboat and Macho Man. That match carried that entire pay per view. Right. I mean, for me, WrestleMania three is one of my favorite WrestleManias because. Of not just that match, just it was obviously at the time it was McMahon took a gamble 
93,000 people, mm-hmm. even though... And the pictures of that are beautiful, yes, too, man. Even though there's a couple um, urban legends out there that it wasn't really 90,000 people. It was actually, like, 75. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Uh, the fact that you had WrestleMania 1 in Madison Square Garden, you had WrestleMania 2, which is kind of different because it was in three different areas. Yeah. That was that was kind of weird. Filmed at the Forum. In yeah. LA and, it, it was yeah. Chicago. Chicago. You had... You had uh, a lot of the Hollywood coming in. You had the football players, and but WrestleMania three for me was one of my favorite WrestleManias because it was headlined by Macho Man and Steamboat. That match carried that entire pay per view. Right. If you look at the WrestleMania three card, it was besides the championship match and the Intercontinental Title, it was just a mixture of stuff. Yeah. Down you, to the little people. Yeah, yeah. Little, <laughs> you know, that's, for lack of a better for term. Anybody, right? For anybody that hasn't watched <laughs> WrestleMania 3, even though the match is about 4 minutes and 30 seconds, the fact that King Kong Bundy squashed a midget wrestler is hilarious. I'm sorry. It was very funny. But the rest of that card, you had Billy Jack Haynes against uh, Hercules. You had the Can-Am Connection, which was Tom Zink and the Rock model Rick Martel. Oh, man. Against Cowboy Bob Orton, Don Morocco. You had, well, it was Roddy Piper's Rod- farewell right, match right, right, against right. Adrian Adonis, but was it was the first match. That was the third match. Third match. Yeah, uh, the first match was the Canyon Connection. Ah, uh, yeah. And then they went to the Hercules oh, yeah, the Jack. Yeah. Match, yeah, but it was funny. They like doing tag team matches. Yeah, it, it, it was funny because. It was Roddy Piper's farewell match, but the only reason why he left was to film movies in Hollywood, and then he came back like three or four times, won an Intercontinental title on one of them, and then he obviously went to WCW. But uh, we're talking about WrestleMania three, and after WrestleMania three, the fans begin to get on the good side of Macho Man. So he has a year leading up to WrestleMania four where. There was a tournament, right? And and to backtrack a little bit, the the Intercontinental Championship, the prestige of that, oh. riding into that match, you know, this was the passing of the torch. You win this, and you know where you're going next. Oh yeah. So that was the importance of that. You know, ultimately dropping that um, after the match. He brought so much credibility to the to that title. And I feel like that was designed. Oh yeah. And the, the reason why he was brought in. You know, um, they're looking for a couple of different talents, whatever, his included, and they're trying to build that, and they probably had him in mind. Oh, yeah, he, he is, you know, Honky Tonk Man says, oh, I'm, I'm, the well, well, I'm the greatest <laughs> intercontinental champion of all time. I mean, he lo- he won a lot by count out and disqualification. Yeah, he did, so, exactly. Right. But to me, Macho's the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. And you kind of felt bad for Steamboat because... He won the title. It's a transitional champion. Yeah, he was a transitional champion. He won the title, and then he uh, ultimately lost. Ultimately lost it to Honky Tonk Man. Like you go from beating Macho Man, right? Who is and before that it was on Tito Santana. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, and then you go. Yeah, it was. It was. It was on. It was on Tito Santana. Before that, it was on Greg the Hammer and Don Morocco. So you go from Morocco to Valentine to Santana, Hall of Famers. Macho Man, Hall of Famer. Steamboat, Hall of Famer. Honky Tonk Man, borderline. Questionable. Borderline. He's more known for his 
great on the microphone. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, his some of his promos were phenomenal, and we're going to talk about and Macho. To this day, still lives that gimmick. Yeah, he <laughs> still lives the gimmick. We're going to talk about Macho Man promos in a little bit because that's just a whole oh. bunch of fun stuff. But we're talking about now WrestleMania Four, where it's a it's a fourteen, I believe fourteen person tournament because Hogan had the belt. He dropped it to Andre and Saturday Night's main event, but. DBA, the Million Dollar Man, bought the rights to Andre the Giant, and they somehow got Earl Hepner had a twin brother, right? Earl Hepner's brother, it's who so was an convoluted. agent. It's so like crazy. Earl Hepner's brother was an agent. You can do a podcast on just that. Twin it was brother. it was ridiculous, but the way it staged on Saturday Night's main event, which was on NBC, millions and millions of viewers. They can't do that in today's wrestling just because Absolutely there's not. it's so much it, wrestling right now is so much saturated with different days and different shows and different different companies. But back in the hand, day, a lot of hands in the pockets. Oh yeah. Know, so between '88 and '91, Saturday Night's main event was like the thing. It, yeah. There was no Monday Night Raw. No, it was my, Saturday Night's main event. My uncle used to tell me he used to go to the Seven Eleven that was up the street from uh, where they were living and go through the TV guides. And if and trying to look to see, because I believe Saturday Night's main event aired in the spot of Saturday Night Live, so if there wasn't a Saturday Night Live, he looked to see if there was a main event, and he, you know, he would essentially buy it if he seen it. If not, put it right back and, and just head out. Oh yeah. Store. Well, if you if you look at wrestling programming back in the day, you had WrestleMania, you had SummerSlam, right? You had Survivor Series, you had Royal Rumble, you know, the big ones, the big four, and then you had a Saturday Night's main event. Yeah, Tuesday Night Titans, which is actually a really good show. It's on the WWE Networks, just uh, kind of like a like a variety show. You have primetime wrestling with Monsoon and Heenan. Primetime. Yeah, it was yeah. great. But um, so we're talking about WrestleMania four, and on paper you would think that Hogan was ultimately going to win the belt. He had a first round bye along with Andre because of all the drama that happened with the title belt. And you had guys in that tournament. You had Bam Bam Bigelow. You had the One Man Gang, the Natural Butch Reed, Greg the Hammer, Ricky Steamboat. You know Jake the Snake and Rick. Jake the Snake and Rick Rude, in my opinion, had a great match. Went 15 minutes, and you didn't see many Jake the Snake matches go 15 minutes back in the day. You no. really didn't. No. He, I, I mean, Jake the Snake was obviously he was he was kind of a, I'm not going to say one trick pony, but he had he had his gimmick. He had his move set his, his set. But you had Macho Man. And who can do it all? Like he'll, you know, one of the earliest high flyers, if you think of it that way. You know, always living on that top rope, living and dying on that top. Oh rope. yeah, absolutely. The double axe handle outside of the ring onto somebody against the barricade, mm -hmm. classic. Yeah. If you didn't see that one time in a match and you weren't watching, that was how well that, that was how he knocked out Steamboat that we talked about before exactly. with, with the ring bell, and so he he easily defeats the natural Butch Reed. So he's going into the next round. And he faces Greg the Hammer. He beats him again. Now, he goes into the semifinals against the one-man gang. The one-man gang had a bye uh, because of the draw with Jake the Snake and Ravishing Rick Rude. And Macho Man, he's weak at this point. You can tell he's weak. And he gets, you know, the typical one-man gang bear hug for 20 seconds and... All these power moves, and he, he's weak. It's the earliest gauntlet matches. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's the earliest gauntlet matches. And, you know, WrestleMania four was, was kind of funny because it was in New Jersey. 
Atlantic City. WrestleMania... Trump Plaza. Trump Plaza. WrestleMania 4 and 5 are the only WrestleManias in history that was the same spot back-to-back years. Hmm. Did you know that? No. Yeah. So, WrestleMania 4, it was... was The first one was at Caesars or the Garden? What? First Mania. Uh, Square Garden. Yeah. Yeah. So, WrestleMania 4 and 5 held at Trump Plaza. WrestleMania 4 opens up with this battle royal won by... Um, uh, Bad News Brown. Oh. Yeah. Now, it was him and Bret Hart at the end, and that was the ultimate turn of Bret Hart and the Hart Foundation. So, a couple things are born. Obviously, Macho Man won the title, but Bret Hart and the Hart Foundation become face. And, I mean, but that that uh, pay-per-view was headlined by uh, Macho Man won the title, Bret Hart turning face, and also Demolition won the tag team titles against Strike Force, and that was starting their 478-day reign, which was just uh, broken by the New Day, I believe, yeah. last year. And, I mean, I don't really agree with that. I mean, I like the New Day, but... It's, it's for another time. It's, it's, right. for, it's for another time. So Macho Man faces Ted DiBiase in the finals, and... And in, in, in Ted's corner, his bodyguard Virgil, the infamous bodyguard Virgil, and he had Andre the Giant. And I remember halfway through the match, you see Hulk Hogan walking down with a steel chair and these bright ass red pants, and he's like, puffing he's and like puffing and puffing. And puffing he's, all. he's doing the Hogan. He's right? doing the Hulk. He's Hogan. doing the Hulk Hogan build up Hulk. Like he's hulking up, but right, he Hulk. did it for the entire right. length of the. Of the uh, ramp, which was like 200 feet at WrestleMania four, and he and he drops down a chair and he sits in the corner, and it's him and Elizabeth, and it's getting a little foggy for Macho Man because Andre's interfering and all that stuff, and you see Hogan come in right and smack DiBiase with a chair. Now Hogan's cheating. You never saw this before, right? No. 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 You, yeah, you, you never see a face cheating like that in a never. steel chair. No. But if anybody was going to do it, all right, hey, it's Hulk Hogan. I mean, you know, yeah. whatever. You know, it's, you know, it's really funny. I was I was watching The Dark Side of the Ring with uh, Dr. D, David Schultz. And oh, you watch it? Oh, it was, man. Classic. Well, they were talking about the fact that David Schultz... And Hogan used to be very close. They were close friends. Very but close. But when he slapped that guy in the head, he, was, he got fired. Yes. And Hogan never contacted him. He went... You know, it was like corporate Hogan yeah. got from there. But Hogan, he choked out Richard Belzer on his TV show. Guy was bleeding. Nothing. Yeah. And they showed the footage. They showed the footage. Hulk Hogan was the god. He literally got away with murder. That's it. And you feel bad for David Schultz, but when when you're pinned up against Hulk Hogan and you're pinned up against, you know, the dollar sign and Vince McMahon at the time, nah. you know, Hogan's obviously going to win. So he hits, he hits DeBiase in the back of the chair... Macho Man goes top rope. One, two, three. New champion. Macho Man. And then, of course, Hogan puts him over. Oh, yeah. It, it, again, passing to the torch. Passing to the torch. H- Hogan runs out, grabs the new belt, the the eagle wing, wing eagle. belt, made its debut at WrestleMania 4. Looks out and different, too. You can yeah. see the cut of the of the wings. Mm-hmm. It wasn't uh, circular, which we would see a couple of years later. Yeah. It, I mean, I think... Yeah, I'm looking at Alex six feet away, being safe, and he has a shirt of Macho Man sitting on a on the dock pier. on the pier. Classic. Classic Macho Man shirt with the belt in between his legs. And it is a beautiful belt. I think 
I'm gonna probably have to buy that next. Yeah. I gotta be honest. I gotta buy that one. I'll, just, I, I'll if, buy it when I leave today. That's it. <laughs> if I wanted to buy a belt, I would buy that's that the, one. That's the belt. That's the, that's belt. the belt. There's no other... I mean, the John Cena spinner belt was horrendous. Oof. Horrendous. That's when I stopped. Well, that's when college happened. Yeah. Kind of was like, like in and out. It of said the champ on the bottom. It did. Champ. And the Attitude Era belt I liked, which was like the the wing belt 2.0, mm-hmm. kind of. That was nice. Yeah. But the the OG belt the with the wing eagle, that's the, that's the best. That's in my what you opinion. wanted. That's what you wanted. Because you felt like at that time there was a little bit more to that. As compared to today, it's like wishy-washy. You got a universal championship and the WWE championship. So when you think about lineage, where does it deviate? Like yeah. it doesn't it doesn't make sense. There's 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 a lot of championships right now in wrestling. I mean, if you if a you lot, if yeah. you look at it, you have the universal. None more prestigious than the twenty four seven title. Oh yeah, twenty four seven European seven eleven <laughs> championship. You know, which is held by the tight end for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now. But that's I'm I'm eventually going to do a podcast about Hollywood and sports figures and wrestling and. We we will you gotta, touch. You gotta have LT on there. Yeah, we'll yeah, we're gonna LT. talk about that. We we will touch base on the fact that the twenty four seven title, which was <laughs> created for no reason, in my opinion, is on the uh, is on the uh, Rob Gronkowski, which is the tight end for the Buccaneers right now. But we're we're talking about title belts and the fact that in wrestling today it's oversaturated with titles. Yes. Now. I'm happy that there's two women's titles, and I'm happy that there's a tag team women's title because, yeah, there is a lot of good women wrestlers in wrestling right now. Have and you have you watched like YouTube any of um like the, the the women's wrestling you know the Revolution? No, no, like the other promotions that are out there. Oh yeah, I watch AEW women's oh. wrestling. It's pretty bad. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple good women wrestlers in AEW, but. You know the fact that you have Charlotte and Sasha and Bailey and Becky. I mean, they're good wrestlers, but I'm I'm happy that there's a women's tag team and, and two women's belts. Will we see a women's mid card champion? Maybe, maybe not. But right now, there it's it's a little bit oversaturated compared to the golden era when you had the Intercontinental. You had the obviously the world heavyweight title. You had the tag team titles, and you did have a women's championship. A women's champion, which was here and there. Yeah, it so. was it was here and there. It was mostly used on house shows. Fabulous Mula, Wendy, Wendy Richter. Richter. Yeah. But, uh, those were the two main main champions on Lunger Blaze, and then we all know the story. She threw the title out on WCW Monday Nitro and all that stuff. But you know, we'll say that for another time. So, so Macho Macho Man's a champion. So this and is after four. Mania four is over. Yeah, Mania four is over, and he gets in that lull where. Um, this is when champions were champions for a long time oh, yeah. because of the TV schedule. You know, there wasn't so much saturation of of programming. You know, they would film one episode or four episodes all at once, and it would air within a month. Or, you know, back in the again. The golden era. Mm-hmm. This was awesome. Yeah. You know, a champion was a champion for quite some time. Oh, yeah. CM Punk reign, you know, like yeah. the whole year. Well, everybody now has like a one track mind and they're very like quick to move on to something else. That's why they keep switching championships. Mm-hmm. Also, they can't make up their mind, but you know, that's beside. No, plus a lot of wrestlers are out right now and they don't want to wrestle. They're overseas. Right. You right. know, with everything going on in the world. So. 
But Macho Man, he had he defended the title a couple times leading up into Survivor Series of that year and Royal Rumble on Saturday Night's Main Event. He faced Dino Bravo a couple times for a title. He faced King Haku, I saw, on Saturday Night's Main Event. But a, a big... A big part of that time was the infamous handshake. Yes. With Hogan and Macho Man. First of all, the amount of cocaine that it looked like that they were uh, injecting. Yeah, just that promo alone. But when you saw, you know, Hogan and Macho Man teaming up, it was just... You know, they make memes about it, too. Yeah, they make know? memes about it. The infamous the infamous handshake and the mega powers are born. <laughs> the, you know, the mega powers are born now, and you would think that an unstoppable tag team, that they would be champions, but they weren't there to win the title. They were there to bring in money to to sell t- to sell TV viewers. Put butts in seats. To put butts in seats. So you had the mega powers... And they wrestled as a Survivor Series team in 1988, and uh, no, it was in 89. No, it was 88. They wrestled in 88 Survivor Series team, Mega Powers. 88, they won. 89. Was 88, the 88. Right. Yeah. And they're facing on Saturday Night's main event. It's them against the uh, the Twin Towers, which yes. was Akeem and Big Boss Man. Now, dream. now Akeem, aka the One Man Gang, and Big Boss Man, who was actually a big boss big man. Boss. Like, he was huge. Yeah. He was big guy. Yeah. Like, when you watch Big Boss Man 1991, when he, he was a face... He was huge. 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 And, um... And then he came back all slim in the 90s yeah. with Attitude Era, where yeah. all black working with the corporation. That but. was... And he had that, that dog, that dog. Oh, that, oh, and he ate the dog. The... Yeah, that, that, Al Snow's Al Snow's Al Snow's dog. And... <laughs> It was a hell in a cell dog match. The dogs were taking craps around the ring. To this day, it's probably one of the worst wrestling matches on pay-per-view history, just because it had no meaning. That and, like, the Punjabi prison matches were just weird. But on national TV, Saturday Night's Main Event, you know, we're having Hogan and Macho Man Mega Powers team up against Twin Towers, and the the Twin Towers get the upper hand. All of a sudden, you see, you see Miss Elizabeth get laid out by Macho Man. Right? Hogan so, comes over. Great sell by Miss Elizabeth, by the way. She she took it like a champ. Because well, she if, did. If you do watch it... You would have thought that was... You know, that was... Real. Real. <laughs> and obviously, that's that's how you wanted it. Because right. at the time, McMahon never called it entertainment until actually after everything that happened with David Schultz. And a couple years later, he went out and called it entertainment. But at that time... It, it was real. It's wrestling, especially protect the business. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no one knew that. I mean, people knew that it was predetermined, but everyone thought that the outcomes or the action was real. So Miss Elizabeth takes a bump like a champ. I mean, like a champ. Like literally landed on her. She like, on his 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 butt hit her in the face on the yeah. way down, and she's laid out. Yeah. So Hogan, being the guardian angel that he is, <laughs> decides to pick her up and bring her in the back. And leaves Macho Man in the ring by himself for like five minutes to get to get whooped right. by the Twin Towers. Until he eventually realizes what's going on. Yeah. And the infamous locker room scene where you had the doc the random doctor guy and you had Miss Elizabeth on the stretcher and 
and Hogan's and you know he's like Randy Randy don't do it Macho Man just double you know double axe handle in the head Hogan he's clutching clutching the championship yeah and talking to him because those two had heat with each other in real life yeah. You know, going back to what you said at the start of the podcast was these two didn't really get along. They had a love-hate relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, people have said that, like, they could be cool one minute and then you look at them the wrong way the next and forget about it. They just fly off the Well, yeah, because it, it was kind of funny that Linda Hogan and um, Elizabeth, and were, Elizabeth were, like, best friends. Right. So they, too, would hang out together. And there were times when Miss Elizabeth would say... Linda, I'm I'm scared. I'm yeah. a little scared of Randy. He's just not himself. Right. You know, could that could that have been some blows in the Randy's head? Maybe that was just that. Maybe that was just like Linda's gone on record. Like on, uh, I think the first ever Dark Side of the Ring was the Macho Man yes. and Elizabeth. It was, and Linda was on that, and he, she was on that prominently because she was giving like her side of the story through Eliz- Elizabeth's eyes being her friend. Mm-hmm. Um, which was very interesting. Like, me personally, I didn't know. And I'm sure a lot of other people didn't know either because it was so, like, kept under wraps and between everybody and who, who was ever in the back. They knew. It wasn't meant for everybody else to know. And Macho Man, I'm sure, preferred it that way too because mm-hmm. he was very private. Oh, yeah, he was. He was very private, but he wasn't private as far as if a wrestler touched Elizabeth the wrong way, obviously. Right, he famously kept. Uh, they they've said that uh, she was to stay in the back. Yeah, she comes there with him, stays there if she's not needed, goes to the ring, does what she's got to do, and goes back. Very back defensive, end. very defensive, Elizabeth. And, and later on, we'll we'll talk about some tragic events that happened to her. But uh, for right now, we're talking about how the mega powers that were once united are now separating. And McMahon did this at the best time. Because at the time that he did it, he did it to the lead up to WrestleMania five, right? Where the mega powers explode, exploded. and that's that, how it opened. That was the tag. That's how it opened. That it. was the tagline. Yep. The merch for that was crazy. Yeah. Which, if I can come across some of that, I got to also. I got to get some of this mega powers uh, merch. I got to find the old posters and and for that because mm-hmm. that would be awesome to have. That tagline alone. You know you're going to sell out Trump Plaza again. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you had WrestleMania five in the same spot, you know it's going to sell out, but it just brought more, more pageantry right. to it when you had Hogan and Macho Man, best friends, enemies. They're colliding now. So it, it's classic. Yeah, you know, it's like a story that's been told a million and one times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this time in particular was probably the best ever. Oh yeah, and the the fact that. Macho Man was champion. It was going on a year. Yeah. And obviously McMahon, he's not dumb. He has to put the champion back on, back on Hogan. His bread and butter. Yeah. Right? His bread and butter. Because if you look at champions at that time, Iron Sheik lost heel. Hogan, babyface. Andre the Giant was champion for five minutes. Heel. Babyface. Macho Man. Babyface. Hogan's going to win it. Right. So, really, at the time, the first true heel champion, Sergeant, when Sergeant Slaughter beat Ultimate Warrior uh, when at the like 1990 Royal Rumble. Iraqi sympathizer. <laughs> yeah. The lead-up for WrestleMania seven, that was, like, the first time you really had a heel champion. Right. So, Mc, so, McMahon, he wasn't stupid. He, he had to put the belt back on Hogan. And a lot, what a lot of people don't know about that match is 
Savage was hurt, I found out. He had this huge bandage on his elbow, right? If you watch that match, he had a huge white bandage on his elbow, and it was because it was infected. He had an infected elbow. He checked himself out of the hospital in order to fight Hogan. He was very sick. A lot of people don't know that. And um, now at the time, he had to wrestle because the money distribution back in the day compared to now where there's contracts and doesn't matter if you're the middle of the card, dark match, or main event, you get the money. Back in the day, the money was in the main event. All right. So you're not getting paid unless you're showing up and defend the belt, obviously. So Macho Man was hurt. And, uh, you know, in my opinion, it was it was a typical Hogan match. I think Macho Man carried it again because his move set and his um, big bootleg drop. Yeah, the big bootleg drop. But, <laughs> <laughs> but Macho Man in the ring, though, he was ten times of a better wrestler than Hogan. Macho Man. He can wrestle circles around him and move faster. Yes. And you can see it watching all these older matches, and when we eventually get to uh, uh, Macho King versus uh, Ultimate Warrior yeah. at, at uh, Mania Seven. We were just talking about that the other night. Yeah. That was like, he carried that, and, and Warrior were so stiff. Same thing with Hogan. You know, Hogan was a little bit more flexible. He can do a couple things more than the next guy, mm-hmm. but, you know, the moveset for a lot of guys back then was very, like, robotic. Mm-hmm. You got what you got, you know who you were wrestling, so you know what they could and they couldn't do. You had a couple high it. flyers. You had the Rockers, who were, like, high flyers. You did, and yeah. who were, like, slowly trickling into the business, or at least in our eyes. Uh, not mm-hmm. to say that they weren't in other promotions around the country, but, like, McMahon is starting to see that and is starting to trend towards that, and because that's becoming more prevalent, especially today. Yeah. I mean, you look at how big these dudes were back then, um, compared to now, you, you know, you got um, Adam Cole, NXT champion, little guy, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, it was Daniel basically Ryan, Shawn Michaels 2.0. A Jace, right, yeah. right. And um, it's just the transition from, from then to now is like night and day. Mm-hmm. But that's where it was going. The business changes, as they say. Macho Man was one of the was was the, was the first small guy. He wasn't big, so so quote unquote. I'm to glad be you said that, right? Yeah. Because um, in the documentary I was watching, the, um, they had an uh, interview with his. I don't want to call it a seamstress, but the guy who made his costumes, and he was saying that you know Macho Man appeared larger than life, as did a lot of other guys, but he wasn't big. So his costumes and the pageantry. It had to be bigger than the guy that he was going up against, who was probably, you know, eight out of ten times bigger than he was. Yes. So, you know, that that helped to that larger-than-life persona and made him, let's say if he was billed at six feet, he might be 6'6", coming out of that, Mm -hmm. um, against these other giants. So that, that was, I thought that was very interesting, and that also leads to, you know, or lends to, excuse me, his character and everything, because everything... You can't have the Macho Man without everything that he brought to the table. Yeah. From the look to the promos, which we're, we're getting towards. Yeah. Um, to, to, to just his, his presence in the business today. You know, being on a Mount Rushmore. Of, iconic. Uh, iconic. 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 He's That's iconic. To put. Yeah. yeah, iconic. And he definitely, he definitely got into the Hall of Fame way later than... Expected, of course, and you but, would rather him be alive for it, of yeah. course. But you know, we all know that. But it happened. The fact that McMahon puts the title belt on 
on Macho Man, not being a big guy, kind of going out of left field, says something. About says something about him, not just as a person, as a wrestler. And he bulked up, you know. Yeah, I never, I never heard stories of him taking drugs. Well, I, I know. Read anything about yeah, that. I know no. the, the first couple podcasts I did, and it doesn't look like he did. No, no, I talked to like, him. Like he looks like if, he did him. if a regular Joe decided to build his body the right way, like that's what you would yeah. look like. Shit, that's what I want to look like. <laughs> yeah. So, Macho Man, he drops the belt, right? Still a heel, and before we talk about the Macho King, yes, I, I, w- I want to talk about. I want to talk about some of these promos that he did. Right? <laughs> now, when you're looking at this episode, it's called Cream of the Crop, the Macho Man Experience, because if you go on YouTube and you type in Cream of the Crop, Macho Man, he Al- Alex just put on a pair of yellow Macho Man sunglasses. The Cream of the Crop promo, in my opinion, is... Next to the birth of Austin 316. Oh, yeah. The greatest promo of all time. Because or, uh, with a tear in my eye. My eye, eye yes. yeah. But the, the $1 million question is, where is he getting these creamers from? You know, I... Like, where is he getting I'm these creamers from? We're doing this podcast because I don't know if it was last year when we were going to the Money in the Bank or in previous years we've had this discussion, but... We were talking about that. Where the right. hell... We were, we were listening were to these, it in my car. Right, on the right, way, yeah. way up there. Where the hell was he getting these from? Who planted them? The fact that he pulled one out of Mean Gene's pocket. <laughs> and then I, I think he put it on his head at one point. And then he twirls around. He twirled around, like, but he would always twirl around. Yeah. So you were, you were due for a Macho Man twirl at some point. In a finger point mm-hmm. or three. Yeah. And um, he was just like... This guy was out of his skull. <laughs> It was phenomenal. But and always, always would talk to you with the back to the yes, camera. Yes, I was about to say that. Which I thought that was dope. The first 30 seconds of the promo, his back was always turned. Yes, yes. And the fact that... The fact that he was with the sunglasses was different, too. Yeah. And not just came with the crop promo, but... <laughs> <laughs> a cup of coffee in the big time. Oh yeah, that's a great one. Uh, that was before WrestleMania three. Yes, and that was in, in the build up to that. He walks into the to the. It's not even a room. It's a it's, cup of coffee. Yeah, in the big time, dig But um, back then the promos were done in like a regular room with a backdrop. Right. So he comes walking in with a, with 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 a, with a little saucer, which is like. Mini in his hand, and, uh, and Mean Gene goes, "Why the cup of coffee?" <laughs> and Macho Man goes, "Ricky Steamboat, cup of coffee in the big time." Yeah, I, I mean, some some of his promos are just phenomenal. Too hot to handle, too cold yeah. to hold. History beckons the Macho Man. Oh, like, that's great. <laughs> Do you ever see the one? Oh, with, was that when he was? That was WrestleMania three. Yeah. Do you ever see the promo with him with the broom? Yeah, it's about sweeping the uh, sweeping the the competition, competition. like that. Yeah. Macho Man is known as the king of props in his promos, but the cream of the crop promo totally changed. I think the way that promos are given because it literally made no sense, but it was so funny just to see him. Now this is all off the top of the head, which a lot of it was back then. Which was, is, a lot of it, is, which I miss because you can tell. You can tell. 
I mean, Hogan had his typical and, five and lines. Even, oh, of course. And yeah. even Mean Gene, the facial expressions, he, he's been on record to say, it. I didn't know where they were going. Yeah. I just kind of went with it, and you kind of have no choice. That's him. That's what you get. Yeah, now, Mean Gene also went on to say that he was afraid of Ultimate Warrior promos because... He couldn't understand anything the Ultimate Warrior was saying, and there were times that he would just walk off the screen. Could you? I can't. I couldn't. But Macho Man promos were just on a whole other level. Now, if you're listening to this, as soon as you're done listening to this podcast, I want you to go on YouTube and look up Cream of the Crop and Cup of Coffee in the Big Time. And as a true wrestling fan, if you're just getting into the business... If you're just a fan, you know, your friend said, oh, listen to this podcast. These two idiots talk about wrestling all day. <laughs> um, you have to watch these promos. It's on a whole nother world, completely out of left field, and it's bringing something to the table that was never brought before. So we're talking about after Hogan is champion, you know, the pageantry or whatever, Hogan build up at Warrior, WrestleMania six, whatever. I'm not talking about Hogan. The Hogan's going to be a whole other podcast. But the Macho Man drops Miss Elizabeth. Yes. Adelaide just drops her completely. Now, this is at a time where this is before they got divorced. Right. Way before they got divorced. And he drops her for Sensational Sherry. And he wins. Who the, wasn't bad? Who wasn't then either? Phenomenal wrestler. She yes. Used to be wrestling. Yes. She Sherry Martell, aka Rick the Model's sister. Yes. Started off in Canada wrestling, and she worked her way to WWF. She was trained under the Moolah. Yes, she was. And what what was kind of different was you saw another side of Macho Man. You saw his outfits change a lot. He he went from the the. Solid color with the stars on it. Yeah, but he's wearing, like, long pants now, and he becomes the Macho King, right? Which is a great gimmick. I have that T-shirt also. Yeah, he becomes (laughs) the Macho King, which is... It's the same Macho Man, but it's the heel run that if he kept going with before the fan... I mean, the fans liked Elizabeth. Yeah. That's why he was getting the cheers. I mean, Elizabeth was a beautiful woman, so I think he was getting a lot of cheers from Elizabeth... But the Macho King is the persona that he would have kept going if the had fans they, they didn't get the face turn. Right. Right. So now let me ask you about Macho King. Now, as a Macho Man fan, I think you can you can talk about more about him than me as being the king because I spend most of my time looking up to Hulk Hogan as my hero. Mm. So, like, what do you what do you think about Macho King? Like, do you think that? It was smart for them to do that. Do you think that it was a waste of his time? What do you What do you think about? I that? think it was smart. Everything. I don't think there's really bad things because you have to keep evolving. You have to keep changing. And you just brought brought up the fact that like Elizabeth took up a lot of the attention, mm-hmm. which he either minded or he didn't. You know, I don't know. We're not him, but um, I thought it was like a welcome change. It kept everything fresh. And joining up with Sensational Sherry was amazing, because. She could do bumps. She, she can do stuff in the ring if you really needed her to. Mm-hmm. And her her abrasiveness and her character on its own lended itself to the Macho King. I think she helped make that Macho King gimmick pop more than he thought it could. So it was just right place, right time. Um, I, I, I'm totally a fan of it. Um, I thought it was it was just so cool for him to just kind of flip that switch mm-hmm. and go that way and like 
become more of a, a, a this larger than life character. Yeah. And 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 the wrestling was always there. So that's yeah. nothing we ever yeah, have to you, talk you about. You didn't have to worry about the wrestling. Oh, like, you knew what you man. got. You it got be, it be Macho Man, time. Macho Kid, Macho Boy. It doesn't right. matter. Macho Man wrestled. Right. The, the, the one same of the best no technical what. wrestlers at the time. So. Of course. But if you look at the Macho King tenure, right? He had a couple uh, right, feuds. Tenure. Yeah. tenure. <laughs> he had a feud with Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. Right? WrestleMania 6. Yes. That was a mixed tag team match where yes, you saw Sapphire, Dusty against yeah. Sensational Sherry. And then he, and they lost that match. And then a couple minutes later, because I actually watched that uh, late last night before I fell asleep. And uh, the promo that they cut in the back, those two were irate. You would have thought they were doing coke together, yeah. too. But um, it just, Sensational Sherry fed off of his vibe mm-hmm. and vice versa. And um, I forget who the interviewer was at the time. And it was because it was Sean Mooney. It was Sean Mooney. Yeah. And um, he was like a poor man's mean gene. Yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> and you know he was, they were just so angry. Yeah. You know, was, uh, mad at Dusty. Oh, blah, 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 whatever. And it, it was just awesome. It was just great. Yeah, Dusty Rhodes is that was a weird time because Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, uh, polka dot. Uh, yeah. Dusty. <laughs> <laughs> if you, I was watching Legends Legends of Wrestling worst gimmicks on the WWE Network, and he's talking about Dusty's talking about. Well, actually, Mick Foley brought up, you know, you went from wrestling Ric Flair to being the, you know, son of the plumber the to, to plumber. polka dots. And he goes, why'd you do that? And he goes, because Vince McMahon gave me the cash, baby. So, I mean, you know, that's that's how it was, yeah. that's how it was ran. Right. You know, he threw money at you. He threw money at anybody. Yeah. But, um, so he's Macho King, right? And he, he has, he has a grudge against, uh, Dusty Rhodes and it was... It was okay. I think that he could have done better, but the what really got that going was after the after that match, Dusty yeah. match. Well, before at Royal Rumble, he cost Warrior the title. Right. So, so he you had a saw something going there, also. Yeah, you saw that. Like for the like that was one of the rare Sarah. times when you had two angles kind of meeting at one. Right. So. You had Macho Man hitting a warrior with the scepter. Yes. Which was given That's to him. Classic. It was actually given to him as a gift by Ted DiBiase for becoming the Macho King. And he cracked the scepter on Warrior's head, Sergeant Slaughter's champion. Hogan beats him at WrestleMania 7. So we're talking about WrestleMania 7 now. Right. Now we're talking about a career, career ending, ending match. match. And that's now, how it was always talked about a Gorilla Monsoon. They always kept referring to that. I think it was Gorilla Monsoon and uh, Bobby, Bobby, Bobby Hayden, the Brain yes. was on commentary. Yeah, their commentary for WrestleMania 7. Now, that match, it was planted in the middle of the card. Now, that was a time where you had. And I don't think you had seen Elizabeth also for a minute. Too. A while. Yeah. Because she just, uh, I'm doing air quotes, which none of you guys can see. She was planted, you know, in the crowd. She was planted. Right. But the fact that it was in the middle of the card, I think, see, back then, the WWF match cards were like, you had your tag team title, you had singles, da-da-da-da, then it was the bigger matches at the end. So now we're facing a time where, they also did this at WrestleMania 8, when it was a double main event, Macho Man and Ric Flair, that was in the middle of the card. Yeah. So now WrestleMania 7, we have... What some people may could put in definitely a main event category. You have career-ending match. You have Hogan. I mean, I'm sorry. You have Macho Man and you have uh, Ultimate Warrior. Warrior. So you have these two guys go, and 
Let me let me get your opinion on the match because you you told me you watched it last night. Oh yeah, and I've watched. That's where I, I started. Why yeah. I I just don't. Yeah, know. I started when I was doing research about Macho Man and catching up more about you know his his career and his life in WWF. WWF. For some reason, I started I started WrestleMania two, and mm. I watched the George Enoma Steel match, and I watched obviously Steamboat match, and I watched all of his matches at WrestleMania four, and Survivor Series and SummerSlam, but. You know, you just watched this match last night, right? Right. So tell me, tell me what you think about the WrestleMania Seven match. So, you know, they uh, they come on. Well, I don't want to say they came on air because they were already on air. I had just jumped to it personally because you can jump around. Yeah, you can toggle. You're right. Yeah. Um, and they start talking about Elizabeth. Elizabeth's there, so you know where the match is going. Oh yeah. And um, so uh, who comes to the ring first? I think. Oh, Macho Man comes to the ring first. You know, his pomp and circumstance. Great Getting music. carried by six jobbers on this little pedestal thing. Yes, yes. Like Which I, I forget what that's called. Eating grapes to the ring. Whatever right. That's being a king. Sensational Sherry's right there. Yeah. And, you know, it's coming down to the ring. Macho Man does his thing. You know, you get the twirl inside the ring. The pointing. Typical Macho Man. This is how we're going. This is where we're going. Then, here come Warriors music hits. And they immediately... It, it takes maybe... A good, I, I want to say a good 10 seconds mm-hmm. before Warrior comes out. He's not running to the ring, and even they address that. Uh, Gorilla Monsoon said, what, what's going on? He's not running to the ring. What's happening? So he's not running down the ring. He's just kind of like fast walking, very frantic like normal. Yeah, I remember he was wearing like a robe. He was. It was, it was, it was pretty dope. Yeah. I yeah, mean, he always was... had some cool colorful costumes and stuff also, but... He was wearing like a robe, which was really cool. Um, his knee pads, I think, was him on one side, and then it was Macho Man on the other. It was like uh, you know how Rick Rude would have the tights of his opponent, yeah. which I still think is is phenomenal. It's the best, <laughs> so good. Um, came down to the ring, and he just wasn't the warrior. I forget what the buildup was prior to that um, for it to be a career. Well, the problem was the warrior had contract issues with WWF. Ah. Okay, so the backstage sort he, of stuff. He wanted, he wanted Hogan money. You know, I talked about that. Oh, in the who first, wouldn't, right. Yeah, I talked about in the first podcast where he he wanted, like, an absurd amount. I think it was, like, $500,000 he wanted going into WrestleMania 7. Mm. And that's an absurd amount of money. Back McMahon, then. Yeah. McMahon caved in because of the, of the potential of it being a great match. Spoiler alert, it was a great match because of Macho Man. Of course. But McMahon paid him the money... And I think the build-up, it was more in Macho Man's favorite because I just don't think the Warrior was, his heart wasn't into it, I don't think. And that was the first time you saw the Warrior leaving WWF because he wanted royalties off his merchandise. He wanted this much money. He wanted a certain amount of days that he was working. Right. Something that you never saw at the time. Yeah, which I mean, you see a lot now. Yeah, but, yeah. Brock Lesnar and everything. <laughs> yeah. But that match, in my opinion, it was definitely carried by Macho Man. Definitely. And, and 100%. Because, you know, you had mentioned on your first podcast, uh, Warrior's stiff, man. That was boring. You know what you get, and he is boring as hell. Yes. My, my least favorite of all for the character was cool for who you're trying to, you know, little kids back then. You know, I, I think, I know my cousin had that little uh, pillow buddy of Warrior. Wrestling buddies? Yeah, wrestling buddies. My yeah. father's probably listening to this right now. Yeah, and wrestling buddy. He jokes around with me. I had like, like three of them. One was Macho Man. I had Hogan. And uh, I can't believe brought wrestling buddy. Was the Undertaker one at one point? The, that was series two. Series two. No. I had that. Yeah. 
But so going back to the match, yeah, super stiff match. Um, but Macho Man carried everything. Yeah, he did everything, and I, I was texting you while watching, and I said, "This is like garbage." Yeah, and I felt bad because it's like you know, Macho Man made it. If it was anybody else, mm-hmm. you can scrap that and never watch that again. Yeah, but after like, but getting, after the match, so like that's that after that's match. the part. That's the takeaway. That's actually probably what people remember the most. That's like one of the greatest moments in WrestleMania history. There's a shirt. I think yeah. Homage makes a shirt with that moment. Yeah, with the blue striped pants that he had on as the Macho King, and Elizabeth's dress, which was like had black black with like silver stars. Yeah. on his shoulder, and I looked at him on the camera angle. I don't think I've ever seen more of a genuine smile. Mm-hmm. Than that moment when he's picking her up, and this is after Sherry beats his ass. Yeah, she slaps him the head with his shoe. Yeah, yeah, Just and that's totally how she, yeah, that's how he ended up losing the match because she came off the top rope yes. with her heels, yeah. hit him in the head because Warrior moved out of the way. But so she beats him up. Hebner takes her into the back, and but this is before Elizabeth runs in, pulls uh, Sherry off of Macho King. And for a minute, he thinks that Sherry keeps shrugging her off. He's confused. He's confused, yeah. right? We he's selling it very well. Oh, uh, like the best. Total sell. And eventually, he gets up, draw, cocks his fist back, and realizes it's Elizabeth. And then, I think what's iconic is the the shots of the people literally crying. There's oh, women yeah. and children crying. There was a man. There was a dressed man? up as yes. Ultimate Warrior. Crying. But I don't know why this stands out to me, but he was wearing glasses. Yep. He was crying, dressed up as the Ultimate Warrior. Crying. Because of that moment. And that, like, to me, it's like what I love. Oh, yeah. And because it's like, to it's me. It's kayfabe. It's kayfabe. Yeah. Like. Kayfabe, bro. It, it, yeah, it's yeah. kayfabe. Come on, bro. Oh, <laughs> this is kayfabe, kayfabe, bro. Um, and I think that's the coolest part about wrestling, that right there. Oh, yeah. Because those people. For that moment or the whole pay-per-view, whatever, got lost, forgot about... This is the best thing in wrestling. You can go and forget about everything that's going on and just let people tell you some sort of a story or whatever. I choose to allow myself to get into it like that because we deal with a lot of shit during the day uh, with everything going on with uh, the virus right now. Six feet apart. Six feet apart. (laughs) And, you know, you want to forget about some of these things. So I look towards something else. Right now, unfortunately, we don't really have sports. Um, We are fortunate enough to have wrestling, as crazy as it is with no people in attendance. But I look forward to that. It's still watchable, though. And it's still watchable. And I I look forward to that match for that reason. The fans' reaction really put over the match and really made it because the match was alright but the fans and what happened at the end was the best part so so we're in another circumstance if you look at Wrestlemania 3 and Wrestlemania 7 Wrestlemania 3 people think that Hogan Andre best thing ever spoiler alert it's, 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 not. it's Steamboat Macho Man <laughs> right. Wrestlemania 7 Wrestlemania 7 had Hogan and Slaughter you know Hogan was going to win because of the Gulf War stuff going on at the time of course and you had I remember the infamous blindfold match between Jake the Snake and Rick the Model but when you when which people, you know they could see through that. oh yeah when people talk about iconic moments of that Wrestlemania the first thing that people say is the reuniting of Macho Man Elizabeth people cared about that so much yeah it was like, such it was an a soap opera when he debuted in in um in 80 in 85 Locked in on Elizabeth from day one. Yeah. You can just tell. And Even though he was psycho. And it was done purposely that way. That's why they hired her instead of some other yeah. lady who, you know, 
let's say a Luna Vachon. You yeah, know, like, who like didn't you, even you, really look you good. Don't, you don't, you don't want to see Bobby the Brain walking with Macho Man. No, because you you've know? seen it. You've seen it. Yeah. You, you know, you, you don't want him to be in the Heenan family. No. Whatever. So. It's no, a cre- not him. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody <It's>, but him. <laughs> it's a career-ending match, but it actually turns out to be a reversal of fortune because it was actually the Warriors' career that ended. Right. Macho Man stuck around. He actually uh, became a commentator. Yeah, he became a commentator. Will, and, yeah. and that's another backstage thing. You know, we talk about contracts and stuff. So eventually, when Macho Man leaves, uh, this is in '94. Yeah. Um, you know, his contract's up. Him and McMahon can't come to ahead and from what I've heard that really broke him Macho yeah. Man and it really hurt him because he really didn't want to go anywhere but McMahon because he wanted to have oh so in the documentary they're talking about how he set up he wanted to come back and he knew his career was ending at the time and he wanted to have a two year program with Michaels Shawn Michaels he's seen Michaels and he was like I gotta work with that guy wanted to put him over uh, whatever and that's how he wanted to go out but McMahon was like, yeah, no, I just want to keep you on the commentary desk. Yeah. And he was hurt. And so when it was time to leave, he left. Well, And where did he go? Where the big boys played. Yeah. But I don't want to t- talk about much on the WCW part because... Yeah, it's... I got to be... As a Macho Man fan, that's very fleeting to me because I wasn't a WCW guy. I knew he was there. I was during the Attitude Era because I always watched... The month. Yeah, I mean, I like... He Goldberg. went back and forth. Yeah, he probably like recorded them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. But, um, you know, we're talking about WrestleMania 7. Going to WrestleMania 8, he, he gets in a program with Ric Flair. Now... Yeah. He gets in a program with Ric Flair over the supposedly pictures that Ric Flair has of Elizabeth and Flair, even though it turns out to be pictures of Macho Man and Flair that Ric Flair photoshopped. And the earliest Photoshop. Earliest Photoshop ever. So, in a double main event, WrestleMania Eight, in my opinion, is probably one of the rest, one of the couple WrestleManias that people forget about. It was held in the Hoosier Dome. There was a lot of fans, but the match card was really out of the blue. You had um, Bret Hart becoming the Intercontinental Champion over Roddy Piper. That was his first singles championship. A lot of people talk about, and plugged in the middle. Even though the draw was supposed to be because WrestleMania Flair. eight was what ninety, ninety two, ninety two. Okay, so we're ninety two. So we're getting yeah. So we're getting younger now. Let's yeah. think of it that way. Yeah. So yeah. I think it was ninety two, and the whole build up. The reason why Flair was brought in was to wrestle Hogan. Correct. You had Flair, who was the complete the- opposite of Hogan, because yes. Flair fans were people in their. You know, between 18 and 25. He's for the the older crowd. Yeah. As Macho Man, no, excuse me, uh, Hogan. Hogan was, was for the kids. the kids. McMahon was smart. He catered to the kids. The kids want to tell the parents to go to the shows, and then went to the shows. Because oh, I guess of Hogan. he's doing the same thing again. Yeah. Now, then. Huh. So he so he bring, he brings in Flair, right? Even though the whole buildup was supposed to be Hogan and Flair, so they dropped the ball on that. So they had Sid Vicious, <laughs> or Sid Justice Sid at the Justice, time. Yeah. Screw over Hogan at the Royal Rumble. Uh, because at the Royal Rumble 1992, the winner was champion. There was no champion. There was a tournament. There was a, there was a, yeah, whoever won the Royal Rumble became the champion. Right. Ric Flair came in at three, lasted 57 minutes, he won the whole thing. Right. Tear in my eye promo. Yeah. And then that's when you see the buildup for WrestleMania, um, eight. And they had a press conference. It was Sid Justice, it was Macho Man, it was Hogan, and it was Jack Tunney. And Tunney announced the that president Hulk, of the WWE, yeah, Jack Tunney. He announced that Hulk Hogan's 
uh, you know, the number one contender, and he'll face Ric Flair, and da 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 And then last minute, they made an angle of Sid Justice, because Vince, like in the big guys, against a big guy in Hogan, and they threw in Macho Man to face Flair. Macho Man eventually wins a title again. Which was it was it was good to see Macho Man with the champion. He was he was a transitional champion. Yeah. Because he dropped the belt back to Flair quickly, and then after Flair had the belt, Bret Hart had the belt. Right. So that was a confusing time in wrestling because WCW was getting bigger. You knew Hogan was almost out the door. Right. And this was the time where he was filming all these movies, so he was coming and going, coming and yeah. going too. And you know that the shelf life of these wrestlers were getting just getting uh, everybody's getting up there. older yeah. yeah and you had the new crew you had Shawn Michaels was a singles wrestler right you had Bret Hart who was getting there he brought in guys like Tatanka who was supposed to be like this over the top baby face who never made it never became champion and then after that you know greatest you had, jobber of all time yeah. Tatanka <laughs> you had, had Razor Ramon and all that stuff so we're at Second a point to the Brooklyn Brawl yeah we're, we're, we're at a point in Wrestlemania 8 where you know you put the belt in the Macho Man I think he did that for the fans for the true wrestling fans, I think he put the belt on Macho Man for that reason. Like one last time. Yeah, one last time. And again, you have you have Elizabeth come down at the end. You had Ric Flair. But I remember Ric Flair with half his head. Because he had white, bright white hair, remember? And blood red. Blood red. And you had... So this is 92. We also skipped over SummerSlam. Like some, the, the mo- one of the most important things for Macho Man was the SummerSlam where they got married. Oh, yeah. It was billed as the that was, wedding... Uh, that was after. Street? Oh, okay. Yeah. So, because that, that's another feud we're going to talk about, him and Jake the Snake, which is a very underrated feud in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, it's very good. But he, he, he becomes champion, and, you know, it was, it was a typical match. He won with a small package, grabbed the tights, there's cheating, da-da-da, and he Not gets... Not too many people win with a small package. No, no, no. <laughs> he, uh, he, uh, he becomes champion, and, you know, he's getting beat down at the end with by Perfect and, and Flair, and then... Ric Flair kisses Elizabeth, and that's how the whole brawl started. But so he's champion, right? And then he drops the belt to Flair pretty quickly. So now we're going into this whole match made in heaven uh, promo because it was a match made in heaven and a match made in hell with SummerSlam. So once again, something build the main event is billed as the thing to watch. Oh, yeah. And that's it. The last thing of the whole car was them getting married. Correct. Right. Yeah. Everything ended, and they had to set up to do the big, you know, they had all those balloons. Actually, you're right. I'm sorry, you're right. 91 SummerSlam 91. was that because... I was going to wear the shirt today. Yeah, because... I, wear I don't know why I got, I, my hand. I got confused with the years because it was Undertaker, Jake the Snake, and WrestleMania 8, and they were a faction to go against Macho Man, and then they broke up, whatever. But after the wedding, when, when he's opening up the gifts... You see the snake pop out, yep. and Miss Elizabeth like faints. Right, that great sell, and that's a very underrated program because that that match between him and Jake the Snake with the snake biting. Now, woo, ten o'clock in the morning, Saturday morning. You're a kid. You're eight years old, right? Scared out of my mind. There's, First of all, I don't like snakes in the. Yeah, there's place, commercials so. of cereal and all this shit going on. Saturday morning. So is this superstars at this? Yeah, point? I think so this it's is where. So like, or like primetime challenge wrestling, whatever it was called, yeah. wrestling challenge. Oh, this was on USA wrestling yeah. challenge. Yeah, wrestling oh. challenge. So, Macho Man's tied up in the ropes, right? His arms and, are wrapped in the rope. Yeah, yeah. And, and they were rehearsing this backstage. He didn't want to do it. 
didn't uh, want to I do sent it. you the podcast. Yeah, you said a lot uh, Jake last the night, right? Jake the Snake's on the record on the Joe Rogan show talking about how insane Macho Man was leading up. He was talking about it. He's like, there better be no fucking poisons, no serum to feign the, the snake. And he told him, I want to see. Why don't you get bit? Yeah, right. You get bit right now. <laughs> Jake the Snake's like, are you out of your goddamn mind? He's like, I don't want, I don't want no serum, no poison. You bite him right now and all this stuff. And. He was not like Macho Man wanted to sell because he's like, you know, I want this to sell so we can get the money. He was hesitant about doing it, but knew that if he did it, he had to do it and it had to be. Oh yes. Yeah. Now when he did it, it it was startling for a kid because you're watching a legitimate snake. Bite yes, there was no venom, right. but he was biting the Macho Man, and the snake wouldn't come off. That's the thing he didn't really count. It wouldn't for. come off. Now. What many people don't know is Sid Justice was supposed to be the guy that got bit by the snake, but he was hurt. He had a uh, torn bicep. So Macho Man's like, I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so he goes in. He gets bit. Piper comes running down. Hogan comes running down. They can't get the snake off. And Jake's, like, trying to get the snake off. Macho Man's like, get the goddamn snake off me. Right, Macho you can Jake's hear Jake's like, I'm it's trying. Right, yeah, yeah. So you got to watch it. I mean, yeah. you know, I always say, you know, if you don't, if you're not a member of the WWE Network, which I'm sure you are for anyone listening, just go on YouTube, type in Macho Man Bit by Snake, and there's like 30 videos of it. But that um, that program is very good because you saw you saw also The Undertaker get into it. Yeah. He, he became, he joined voice with Jake the Snake. You had, um, I forgot the name, where they did the vignettes. Here's the vignettes that they did with The Undertaker. Uh, was it called like the graveyard or something? Where you know how there was like Piper's Pit, the barber shop. It might have been the graveyard. Yeah, like, mortuary. Yeah, something. something like that. But yeah, something dark. And yeah, nice. yeah. And uh, that was when he got he got jumped by Jake the Snake. And, and those Undertaker. are some of my earliest like memories watching wrestling. Yeah. And like that's where I became a fan. I, I just specifically remember living at my uncle's house in Woodbridge and what getting up. I think it was ten o'clock. On USA mm-hmm. Superstars. Yes. So like I started watching it during the new generation era, era. So where everybody was kind of the old was transitioning out. Here came yeah. new, but you know you had a good mix. I do remember watching like that Jake the Snake and Macho Man, tra- all that going down, and like that's where I was like, what the hell is this? This is great. Mm-hmm. And my uncle thought I was crazy. He was so, right, so we're talking about how Macho Man brings props into promos. Prop. Complete change the whole... Yeah. He's getting bit by a snake now. Right. You've never seen... I mean, you saw animals in wrestling. You've no, you seen Coco Beware. You saw, you saw right. uh, Frankie. You saw Matilda, the bulldog from British Bulldogs. And now you see Damien, a legitimate snake, right. bite somebody. And he wasn't a fan of the snake in the first place, if no. I'm not mistaken. No, he wasn't. But, you know, that, that's, just, that's just the kind of guy that Macho Man was. He... He uh, he adapted to other people's gimmicks very well. Right. He put a lot of people over. He he put he Steamboat over Hogan. Not really over, but he gave he put the belt back on Hogan. Yeah. He put Warrior over. So he was kind of put on the shit end of the stick, but he did he, such a good job, and he was very professional. He did his job because he was professional. Now that was inside the ring. Outside <laughs> of the ring, it's a whole other story. Damn, now now. We talk about how ego-driven he was, very protective of, of Elizabeth, like to the point where Elizabeth's like scared of her life at some points, like yeah. calling Linda Hogan, I don't know what Randy's going to do, and then they get divorced, legitimate divorce, and he talks about it, 
Yeah, I think they were technically divorced at the time of the SummerSlam wedding. They were just going through the motions and doing it yeah. for television. Yeah. And then he, I think he famously put out in like the WWF magazine mm-hmm. the letter saying that they're divorced or something. Yeah. So. Which was a big thing. Which was kayfabe. People, re- right, which is kayfabe. People really cared about that. Mm-hmm. Like there's a, there's a wedding in soap opera history. I forget it was whatever soap opera was back in the 80s. Luke and Laura. That was their Luke I can't help you on that one. Don't, don't ask. I'm not yeah. going to get into it, but yeah. But that was like the equivalent was their wedding Macho Man and Elizabeth was like the Luke and Laura I think it was like One Life to Live or whatever Young mm-hmm. and Restless something along those lines yeah but you know we talked about how kind of um, you know the pageantry you know they were trying to play off of that some mm-hmm. on television that people really were vested in that's why I think people were also vested in Macho Man and Elizabeth and that whole story so one people were like legitimately upset they were uh, hurt like, they were hurt yeah yeah. And what what was a little odd was once uh, Savage, after his program with uh, Jake the Snake, and you know, actually after he drops the title to Flair, he becomes a commentator. He does have one more WrestleMania match, WrestleMania 10, and it falls kind of anywhere against Crush, which is kind of thrown under the rug, kind of put together last minute that not many people I, know about. I forgot about exactly, that. Exactly, yeah. So he leaves ultimately... Because the WWF is turning into a transitional period, like you said, all the top guys are out. Piper gone, Hogan gone, Macho Man gone, Ric Flair went back to WCW. So it's a whole new breed, but then Macho Man decides to go to WCW where he is actually reunited with Elizabeth. Right. So Elizabeth comes into WCW and with a different look you know everybody a got a different yeah, look yeah she different look she cleaned up she doesn't have that long flowy hair yeah that she's more curly. she was in the NWO did you know that yes yeah yes I did <laughs> so, everybody who wasn't in yeah, the NWO yeah who was in the NWO so Mashman's in the NWO she actually gets married again well Lex Luger right uh-huh. scumbag Lex Luger becomes an interest for, for Miss Elizabeth Right, so they get together. She works at one of his gyms in Georgia that he owns, Marietta, Georgia. Yeah, and uh, they start getting together. Meanwhile, she gets remarried, but she always has this 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 fling with Luger, right? So I don't know much about Macho Man and Luger like, like together. I don't think there was any much. <laughs> Confrontation because Macho Man did eventually remarry again at the end of his life. Yeah, he married his uh, high school sweetheart. Yeah, but and she survived that crash too. Yeah, she did. Because I think she was in it. Yeah, she was in it. Yeah, but um, it, it it's a shame what happened to Elizabeth. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Um, if anyone doesn't know Miss Elizabeth, she passed away in two thousand and three. May Actually, first, uh, May first, two thousand. Yeah, I po- I posted it on on uh, Sunset Flip Radio, Instagram and Facebook, a picture of them actually at the 90, 1991 um, wedding of Macho Man and Elizabeth, and it was seventeen years ago that she passed away due to um, drug overdose. She was found. She was actually found by Lex Luger, unresponsive, unres. Um, you know, not, not breathing, obviously, and... And they tried to get him to do CPR, but he was, like... Uh, he, he was so distraught. He was like, yeah. just get somebody over who knows yeah, what they're doing. Like, yeah. yeah. So she she had coke, she had drugs, she had pills and alcohol in her system. So um, it's, it's unfortunate what happened 
to Miss Elizabeth, and Matraman is on record saying that he'll always love her, right. even though... And they had been a little estranged at that time also. Yeah. You know, Macho Man was having... So this is 03. So Macho Man... So this is after Vince purchased WCW. Um, you know, and then I think... <clears throat> I think Triple H went on record saying that, like, you know, the old guys or whatever, and that pissed off Macho Man. Yeah. So he didn't want to, like, try to come back or whatever. No, because... Plus, I think Vince or somebody had made a parody after Macho Man had left, mm -hmm. where it was like the Hulk and, and Macho Man, and he was getting... Wrestling. Yeah. yeah. He was getting uh, on Larry King Live, mm -hmm. fake Larry King Live, he was getting his hair sprayed so, like, you couldn't see his bald spot mm -hmm. and whatever, so, like, that rubbed him the wrong way, yeah. and, like, Macho Man is one to hold on to a grudge, and that's another thing that, like, would... Very you know, ego-driven Yeah, person. very ego-driven, yeah. just like you said, yeah. But I think McMahon, to me, Vince McMahon is the kind of businessman where, okay, you're done, I'll see you later. You know what I mean? I'm still going to... Typical businessman typical where business I'm going to get the most out of you and I'm going to get rid of you... Um, what's the phrase? I'm going to get rid of you too soon rather than too late. Yeah, like, exactly. Similar to like football players, you see that a lot. Yeah. You know, you're like, why did this guy get traded? And you see he doesn't do anything afterward and they're like, oh, this guy knew something before they think. So... So Macho's in WCW. We're not going to talk much about that. All I can tell you is that when he first became in WCW, he was the same size. And in the last three years he was in there, he got really big. He so, broke, he he had he had. Um, so I'll I'll touch on that. Yeah. He had some injuries. Um, I think it was like an ankle injury or so. And so he was with the NWO at that time. And just like you said, he went out and came back. Like, this dude bulked up. He didn't do anything like, but eat. Like, Scott Steiner bulking up. That's who I thought he was. I was like, holy crap, he looks just like Scott Steiner. Yeah. He'd pop a pump without the, the chainmail thing mm -hmm. on his head. Um, with the black glass, regular black sunglasses, like a biker cap. And you can tell he black. dyed his beard and everything. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But... Typical WCW look, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, he... But he did have... And and everybody, I encourage you to check it out on the network. This feud with uh, DDP was awesome. I did watch that, though, because he put him over on purpose. Mm -hmm. um, he said Arn Anderson came in, asked him, hey, guys, what do you want the finish to be? Uh, Macho Man, what do you want the finish to be tonight? And he was like, you know what? I think I'm going to take the diamond cutter tonight. <laughs> and that was it. And the rest is history. And, you know, DDP is, like, forever thankful for that because that really put him on the map. Back then, and at that time, those two dudes were 40, 41 years old. Yeah, we all know DDP came in, you know, from Jersey. Hey, yeah, um, came into this at like 30, something, very 35, late. very late, take. yeah. And um, so Macho Man put him over, and he said that really made that's it. just another example of the kind yeah. of guy he was inside of the ring. He put yeah. another guy over again, and again. So the fact that he won, he, he did win the heavyweight title a couple times, but he is more known, he did obviously. In WCW, yes. he is. More known Feuded for with Hogan again, and then became friends in NWO yeah. and whatever. So he he is more known as the Intercontinental Champion, putting the title on another category, right. and first time a two time WWF Champion. Right. Now, <laughs> a lot of people are probably thinking, if you're going to talk about this, let's. <laughs> he was a very uh, well known personality in marketing game. Slim Jim. Oh yeah. Like yeah. snap into a Slim Jim brother. Like that was just 
the fact that he was the the, the I re- spokesman. I remember for that. I remember like seeing those for the first time. Yeah, like that's so crazy. Yeah, and as a wrestling fan, you're gonna want to buy it because you see Macho Man's face on it. And, and it was always he had a big cardboard at the bodega in uh, Red Bank. There used to be a big cardboard cutout of him with the red and yellow uh, Slim Jim right by the... Because um, Slim Jims always used to be available at the counter. I think yeah. they still are to this day. Yeah, they can still buy Slim But Jim. there was a big old um, cutout of him. And I was like, I thought that was the coolest thing. Yeah. And his voice. His raspy voice. It, the that's mo- his normal talking voice. When you think of the voice. Macho Man, that's it. Yeah. That's the, the voice, brother. Yeah, that's how he talked. Like, that's how he talked. And uh, so... He was also, uh, he was also in Spider Man. Oh right? yes, yeah. Bone Saws. Bone really? Saw. Yeah, oh, that's like the he, best. That he is was the an, best. He was an act. So he was an actor. Well, for, I was a professional wrestler. <laughs> professional wrestler, actor. He was a musician. Oh, he was in Ready to Rumble. You ever watched yes, that movie? Yes, he was in phenomenal. That's a great movie. It's a great movie. I'm trying to find it. I'm struggling to find it. I don't want to. No buy one. It. <laughs> now I say musician because he did come out with a rap album, and he did dedicate a song to Kurt Hedding, aka Mr. Perfect, who is, in my opinion, one of my top two favorite wrestlers in my life. But I don't suggest anybody listening to the Macho Man Be a Man rap album. It's not really the greatest. If, I mean, if you want to hear Macho um, Man rap, it's kind of funny. And that, and, and we forgot to talk about be a man, Hogan. Be yeah. a man. <laughs> yeah. You know, in cl- in closing, in my opinion, Macho Man is a polarizing figure who got inducted into the Hall of Fame way too late. He is known for having some of the greatest matches in wrestling history, and he's known for doing something that not a lot of guys did: was putting people over. Right. He put people over, and when you when you look at everything, when everything's laid on the table, from his promo work to his entrance to his music to his costume to his his ring skill set, screw calling Lex Luger total package. Macho Man was the first wrestler that had everything. Agreed. Total package, and as a diehard wrestling fan, I can say that Macho Man overall. Definitely top five, ever, ever, everything. He's up there. You know when he when he when he's my, my personal number one. Yeah, your personal my number one. one. Uh, for me, um, my personal number one um, is Mr. Perfect. Um, I'm deciding if I should do a Mr. Perfect podcast. Um, but the reasons I like Mr. Perfect is not just because he was he was perfect in every way. It's just he was such a technical wrestler that. You know, he had so many great matches with Bret Hart, and then Bret Hart will come out to say, every time I wrestled Mr. Perfect, it was like a day off. Mm. So, uh, you know, the whole whole aura of him. Not, not for the bulge in the singlet? No, oh. no. It was, uh, but, you know, again, for me, it's perfect. It's Undertaker. I mean, I have Undertaker tattooed on my arm with with Paul Bearer, and, I mean, I have it for a reason because Undertaker is, is one of my favorites of all time. But looking back on Macho Man, he is a pioneer in the game. And it's it's tragic about how he passed, about what happened. And it's also tragic that he didn't get his recognition before he passed away from the WWF. Always after. Everybody it's always after. Now, after. yeah, like, look at Warrior. He got inducted, then he died two days later. Yeah. Three days later, and that was unfortunate, too. But, um, yeah, uh, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Um, if I were you, I would... YouTube cream of the crop, YouTube yeah. cup of coffee the big time, 
And if and you do have the WWE, there's compilations. Of, oh yeah, of the pot. There, there's one where they're all breathing heavy, and it's like three minutes of this one promo cut together that he's breathing really heavy, and it, it that's awesome too. Yeah. Just you know, if if you have some time in your hands, do you know during everything that's going on in the world right now, and you're home and you're a diehard wrestling fan, just just type in Randy Savage in the WWF Network uh, search bar, and you'll just come up with classic matches, even you know matches from Saturday Night's Main Event and Primetime Wrestling, and even some matches in WCW. You can truly see how he carried wrestlers in the ring, and he was such a professional. And it's really tragic what happened. So. But uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Sunset Flip Radio. Check out our Facebook page and our Instagram for latest updates about new episodes. Alex, always a pleasure. Thank you. This yeah, is the thanks, first. Man. I appreciate it. This is the first of uh, many episodes that Alex will be on with me, talking about uh, the sport of professional wrestling and how much uh, how much of wrestling nerds we are. So uh, thank you, everyone, and take care. Signing off.